This is The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Glad you're with us. Thought Revolution Radio all this hour here on The Sean Prue Show on Sirius XM Canada Talks, Channel 167. Coming up this hour, a guilty pleasure podcast. If you are so tired of your own problems and want to hear about the problems of people richer than you. And with Halloween uh, this weekend, a psychiatrist joins us in just a little while to tell us what our costumes reveal about our mental health. What if you're like me and you don't wear a costume? She's got a mental health breakdown for that too. And if you're like me, you've also received your first holiday party invite. I did recently. Not sure how I feel about that and kind of betting and hoping that this soiree turns into a Zoom affair instead. Uh, But tis the season for good food and good cocktails. And right now we're hopping on the ongoing pairing trend. You don't just have to pair food with wine with two of Canada's top experts bringing in two dishes and two pairings using bourbon of all things, the fine bourbon made by Woodford Reserve. Woodford Reserve invited uh, head chef Carl Heinrich, a former winner of Top Chef Canada and the current owner and head chef at Richmond Station, to pair a dish to Evelyn Chick's cocktail, both made using Woodford bourbon. Evelyn is one of Canada's top bartenders and has created the cocktail programs for several of Toronto and Vancouver's top restaurants. And Evelyn was also asked to pair a cocktail with one of Carl's dishes. So be prepared to enjoy these two cocktails and two dishes created by two of the best in the business. But first, let's talk about bourbon and clear some things up about it because it's also called a whiskey and some whiskeys are called scotches and this can get confusing for people. Evelyn, can you help us out here? Absolutely. So to be a bourbon, um, it is majority corn based. So um, a lot of people think that whiskey and bourbon are two different things, uh, but they're actually under the same category. So bourbon is a type of whiskey. It has to be at least 51% corn. Um, made in the USA, mostly in Kentucky, and it has to be aged in um, new American oak barrels. So with Woodford Reserve, it's got um, really sort of nice, like all around allspice, vanilla, citrus, floral qualities to it. Hence, this is the perfect little whiskey for um, cocktail and food pairing. So write that down if you're ever confused about the difference between scotch and whiskey and bourbon. There's your answer. So Carl, welcome to the show. I want to ask you uh, the obvious question of all of the different options out there. Why Woodford Reserve? Well, Woodford Reserve is is a beautiful product. It's it's a premium bourbon. Um, and I mean, they make a few different products. Uh, but Evelyn and I had the opportunity to go down to the distillery. And and Evelyn, you might, you might know better than I would, um, but I think it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest distilleries in Kentucky. I mean, it's been around since the early 1800s. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous spot. And, and like I said, the product is incredible. Um, we got to see the Cooperage as well, where they make all of the barrels. And, um, you know, I have a lot more respect for the product after, after seeing the distillery, um, you know, just tasting what's in the glass there. Um, and, and it's so, I mean, it's, it's, it's very complex. Um, and for, from a cooking perspective, I mean, people, 
generally think of bourbon as, oh, okay, well, you can pair chocolate, maybe butterscotch. But um, what I want to do here was say, you know, bourbon is, is a great tool uh, throughout the kitchen, not just in the, in the bar and in the pastry section. So uh, let's just talk about the pairing trend for a minute, because I know for a lot of people, when they hear pairing, they think about wine pairing. And so the idea of a bourbon pairing in both the dishes themselves and with the cocktails, um, each of you speak to that. It's the front of house meets the back of house in your world, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've always loved um, working with chefs on um, cocktails development in that sort of phase and also with the pairing because when you look at wine and you look at beer, a lot of it is about, you know, um, not just the flavor, but the texture right. of the drink. So with, you know, really beautiful dishes from something that's pescatarian, vegetarian, just something that is meat forward, um, bourbon or, you know, cocktails in general kind of offer that really diverse range of texture and flavors that would pair well with um, the dishes. So I think it's a really sort of natural progress if you're loving the sort of wine and cheese style of pairing. This is a really good sort of more advanced way to enjoy drinks and food. And what's your take on, on this um, continuation of the trend, Carl? Sure. Well, I think, I think you nailed it there, Evelyn. And, you know, just to add to that, I think if you're going to have the spirit just in a glass, um, you know, your pairings are kind of limited, maybe you know, maybe a bite of, of charred steak, um, for example. But if you're going to take it to the next level and start uh, playing around with some cocktails, um, it, there's really no limits to how well we can pair uh, a cocktail and something out of the savory side of the kitchen. And I think that the cocktails and food that you have there in front of you are a good example of that. I, I get to taste those in just a minute. Find out what Carl is pairing with Evelyn and what Evelyn's pairing with Carl when we come back. And still to come, what your Halloween costume says about your mental health. And Donatella Versace's problems are worse than yours, according to a new Guilty Pleasure podcast. You've got the happiest show on the radio. One reason being, I get to drink. Next segment, The Sean Proust Show continues. Sirius XM Canada Talks, Channel 167. The Sean Pru Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Welcome back to Sean Pru Show, continuing here on Sirius XM Canada Talks Channel 167, doing a bit of a, a bourbon challenge here with one of Canada's top chefs and uh, top bartenders. And if you missed the beginning of this episode, you can hear it anytime on demand on the Sirius XM app. If you don't have that, why are you waiting? What are you going to be for Halloween? Wonder Woman, Naughty French Maid, Zombie, Unicorn, or maybe like me, no costume at all? On the way, a psychiatrist is going to share what she says about your mental health when you make a costume choice. Plus, we've also got a Guilty Pleasure podcast for trying times to tell you about. But first, we've got to eat, we've got to drink. Head Chef Carl Heinrich is with us. He's a former winner of Top Chef Canada and head chef and owner of Richmond Station. And Evelyn Chick's here in the flesh, too. She's one of Canada's top bartenders, and she's created cocktail programs for, for some of the top bars in the country, especially in Toronto and Vancouver. Just to catch you up, Woodford Reserve invited Carl to pair a dish with a cocktail Evelyn created. Then we're flipping the tables, and Evelyn's going to pair a cocktail with a dish created by Carl and pour me, I get to sample it. <laughs> I love my job. You can try these for yourself. We've posted the recipes on my Facebook page. Just look up official Sean Prue on Facebook, give the page a like and go crazy in the kitchen. Okay, let's start with Carl. What did you make? Well, I made a few things here. Um, 
And Evelyn, I can't really remember who started which dishes or, or which drinks, but uh, in front of you, um, Sean, you've got the uh, cured trout there. Now, what I've done here is I've taken some beautiful Kolapur Springs trout. That's the really, uh, it actually almost looks like salmon. It's so pink. I, and, um, I thought it was. I thought it was salmon. It was. It was so pink. And so I moved to the side, thinking this isn't trout. That's amazing. Yeah. No. That's that's a trout. So it's actually it's coming from Kolapur Springs Farm uh, Hatchery, which is up near Blue Mountains. It's an incredible, incredible fish farm. Um, and uh, the reason it's so pink, the flesh, is because the the fish actually in the pens that they swim in, they're eating natural live shrimp that are also swimming in the same pen. So that's oh why they gosh. get that color. So I'm, it's been, I'm waiting. I'm eating. You keep talking. I'm going to eat. Yeah, you go for it. <laughs> so we, um, I cured it with a splash of bourbon, actually a few splashes of bourbon. And this is uh, just the Woodford Reserve, not the double oak. And then uh, some salt and some sugar and some dill. And then, uh, you know, that cures for about an, uh, overnight uh, for about 12 hours or so. Um, and it's kind of like Gravlox. You know, you want to put this on a bagel with cream cheese. And then it's, it's outstanding. It's yeah, outstanding. the texture is amazing, right? Um, and then it's just been sliced, and those are some radish and some just little greens from the garden that I put in there as well, just for color. So this is very simple to make. It's extremely simple to really make. Simple yeah, to anybody make. can cure fish. Yeah, you you could make this, and I I mean not I'm not saying that you're you're not a simple cook. I mean that's. that's I'm. You know, it's okay. <laughs> I almost want to turn my my kitchen into a, a walk-in closet. I cook so little. <laughs> well, you don't need to cook this dish at all because there's no cooking involved here. It's just cutting. So you know you don't need a stove. Cut. Yeah, there you go. And so Evelyn, you paired what cocktail with this? So this before is, I eat it all. This is actually the um, dish that. Um, I paired with Carl's Gravlax. So um, this is called Sweet Tea Sundays. So kind of going with the herbal qualities that Woodford also provides and a little bit of florality. It's actually made with uh, just Woodford Reserve and a little bit of Amontillado sherry. And I feel like the sherry kind of gives it a cool nuttiness. And then um, a cashew orgeat, which is normally a um, almond orange blossom syrup, but I made it with cashews instead and some lemon juice. So it actually pairs really greatly with uh, the textures of the Gravlax and, you know, the sort of dill and um, radishes will go nicely with the thyme notes that are in the drink. And we have some sprigs of something in here. What are the sprigs of something? They're beautiful organic thyme. Thyme. Yeah. I'm just going to remove the thyme so I can sip this better. 100%. Um, what do you say as I start to sip uh, to people who are afraid of being creative in the cocktail at the bar with their cocktails. Like you've mentioned some ingredients and, and the cashew. Cashew orgeat. Orgeat. You know, for some people listening, that sounds a little intimidating. They might just want to pour some vodka and <laughs> some ice into a glass and call it a day. Yeah. What do you say about encouraging people to be more creative? So a lot of these different um, homemade syrups are actually really easy to make. So I actually have a... Uh, <laughs> I just OMG'd our Facebook <laughs> camera. It's so good. Uh, but uh, I actually have a website, Evelyn Shake Projects, that does exactly that. It kind of um, simplifies a lot of the ingredients that we make at the bar. So it's easy to approach this cashew orgeat, or you can just say it's a cashew syrup, is actually just blended cashew milk, sugar, and some orange mm. blossom water. So um, in terms of the cocktail, it's um, four ingredients. It's super easy to execute. You throw everything, even in a mason jar, 
and you shake it up and you let you're it done. and you're done. Yeah. Same as how Carl pre prepared the dish. It's actually really easy steps. We just put a little more care in it to make it look nicer. Okay. So let's flip the tables. Now you Evelyn have another cocktail here. Um, tell us about that. And, and then Carl, you'll tell us why you've paired your food with this cocktail. So this is um, called a warm rejoice, which actually is going to be perfect with Carl's dish. And um, this, we've actually never, we actually hadn't met before we went to Woodford Reserve. So the fact that we sort of thought about the same flavors and utilized the bourbon a certain way is really fascinating. So I always say like a chef transition a bartender or a bartender trans transition a chef is actually a really cool kind of next step because you think the same way. It's like creating a dish, creating a drink, um, you just think of just sort of the flavors that we pair or um, alternative flavors that would um, complement what's already in the base spirit. So this cocktail is called Warm Rejoice. It's made with Woodford Reserve. Double I like the oat. name. I like the yeah. name Warm Rejoice. It's just a nice, yeah. like, you know, very fall kind of lovely yeah. cocktail. Um, so it's got beautiful flavors of uh, Woodford Reserve Double Oat, which is um, actually a bourbon that's aged twice in... Um, toasted and then charred barrels. So you'll get a little bit more texture. You'll get a little bit more um, toastiness, maybe some like figish raisin notes to it um, because the barrel. Um, and then Calvados, which is actually an apple brandy, um, some maple syrup. So, you know, put a little Canada yes. in there. Uh, lemon juice and ginger beer. So if you're sort of like a fan of Moscow mules or gin mules or something like that, this is sort of a um, very fall uh, forward mule type. Collins. Yeah, these dishes feel very autumnal, both the dishes and the cocktails feel cozy. And, and I just love that word rejoice. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm gonna try that. And then Carl, take us through what you made to match up with this cocktail. Well, first of all, taste the cocktail and you can OMG into the microphone if you want, because I know how good it is. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> these are amazing. And I'm just gonna ask you really quickly, Evelyn, Tell me three things that everyone should have in their bar, because you're mentioning lots of different ingredients and stuff. What are three things that allow people to get creative the most? Honestly, um, pick a spirit you like. Don't try to go everywhere with it. So pick a spirit that you like. Have really good ice. I can't stress that enough. What, what is good ice? Um, good ice means that, um, you know, the little um, kind of chip ice you get from the grocery store that just like falls apart. Yes. That's not particularly good for your cocktail because it dilutes really quickly. And you want to savor and enjoy the cocktails you make at home, right? So good ice is just the ones that you have right now. Perfect. I have good ice? Yeah. I have, have good, good ice. ice. <laughs> <laughs> I have good ice. You got it. <laughs> Um, and I would honestly pick a couple different um, additives. So say, uh, you know, a vermouth in the house is really good. Right. Some sherries that you probably, you know, found in your grandmother's closet. She loved Something her like sherries. She loved her yes. sherries. It's, it's having a uh, sort of revival moment um, at this point because it adds again, like length and texture to your cocktail. So pick a spirit you like, couple additives, good ice, and then the world's your oyster. Okay, I'm gonna swing over here. And Carl, um, take us through this dish that you made, which goes with this OMG cocktail that Evelyn made. <laughs> well, I, I tried to capture or, you know, s stay on the uh, autumnal theme here. And there's not much more autumnal than, uh, than squash. Now this is, this is butternut squash. Um, actually, it, I think it might even be a honey nut squash, which is and like a- bacon? And it's bacon, yeah. So squash, bacon, bourbon, maple syrup. Uh, you can't really go wrong there from a flavor combination. 
I did add a little bit of um, mustard and lemon juice into the dressing as well. There's a little bit of raw shallot um, and some Belgian endive uh, for the bitterness and for the crunch in the salad as well, because squash can sometimes get a little soft. This is also simple as well. It's very simple, you know, and, and you don't really need to have a lot of kitchen equipment to cook it either. <laughs> um, and frankly, anybody can make it. It's, you know, it's, it's a very, very, it's a play in a very classic dish of, of endive and bacon, um, but with squash and some bourbon and maple in there as well. Can you two come back every week? <laughs> yes, but you have I to could get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Carl. And, and tell us, um, and again, if you're just tuning in, these recipes are amazing, trust me. Um, they're both very different and they're both easy to make. And so we're putting them up on my Facebook page, Official Champru. you can look it up. If you're watching the live right now, it's not up this second, but it'll go up today um, for these amazing recipes, well worth a try. Carl, I asked Evelyn about some of the things that a good bartender should have in, uh, in, their, in their stock. What do you think a good chef should always have well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta start with the ingredients, man. You gotta, you gotta start by finding ingredients that you enjoy cooking, uh, finding ingredients that, um, you know, ring true to you. That's where the inspiration starts with, with every great chef. You know, for me, uh, almost everything you're eating there, I, I get from the farmer's market or from my backyard, you know, um, uh, I'm not sure what your neighborhood, but is, but, um, Almost every neighborhood in Toronto has an incredible farmer's market uh, one day a week. You know, I go to the Witchwood Barns, um, but Brickworks is fantastic too. There's, you know, like I said, there's one in almost every neighborhood. And so go in and find the great ingredients and then, and then start from there and, and work backwards. You know, I always say that you can, there's two ways to make your menu. You know, you can start with a recipe and then you can find your ingredients or you can find your ingredients and create a recipe. And the second way is always going to yield a much more flavorful, uh, inspired dish. You're both two gems. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you both very much. Uh, the recipes, again, are now up on my Facebook page under Official Champru, and don't forget to like us while you're there. If I dress as Superman for Halloween, what does it say about my mental health? A psychiatrist joins us next to give us the breakdown on the connection between our minds and what we choose to dress up as this spooky season. Boo! The Champru Show continues here on SiriusXM, Canada Talks Channel 167. I'm glad you're with us. Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Here's Sean Prue. Welcome back. It's the Sean Prue Show here on Sirius XM Canada Talks Channel 167. And I'm all about guilty pleasures at the best of times, but in these 2020 times, even more so. Going to share one with you that's going to make your problems feel so much smaller as you delight in the bigger problems of others in just a short while. But first, are you going to be like a puppy for Halloween, Catwoman, a vampire? Joining us now from Beverly Hills is psychiatrist Dr. Carol Lieberman, who is uh, going to tell us more about what our choices say about our mental health. Dr. Carol, how are you today? Fine, thank you. Good to see you. So I'm going to start with myself because it's my show. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does the fact that I'm not going to wear a costume at all say about me? <gasps> <laughs> that you're boring. I know. That I'm boring. <laughs> boring. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is that um, these days with people undergoing uh, 
uh, coronavirus stress and crisis uh, fatigue and all these different things on that are playing on our mental health. I think a lot of people are going to not wear a costume who usually do, um, especially if they feel that they don't want to go out to a party because it's too dangerous or they don't want to go trick-or-treating. Kids are really uh, sad about, you know, if their parents don't let them go trick-or-treating, that's, they're, they're feeling very sad about that. Now, what does it say? Well, the typical kinds of things that, that people wear um, are if you, it's, sometimes it's, it's wish fulfillment. Um, in other words, like there are a lot of supermen and superwomen, you know, people who want to feel more powerful than they feel in everyday life. So, um, so that those are like typical kinds of costumes, all kinds of superpowers. I get that. You know, I'll tell you once we had Linda Carter on the show who played Wonder Woman and she believes the popularity of superheroes is because we all know that inside of us, uh, we have a hero waiting and wanting to come out. So I hear what you're saying when you say that. Yes, that's true. And we all need to be superheroes these days. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, psychological phenomenon is when people dress in costumes that are their alter ego. So like a shy woman um, dressing like a sexy something, a sexy wish, a, a witch, a sexy, any, a, say, sexy waitress, anything sexy, you know, and this is how she isn't in real life. Or similarly... Um, a woman who is a, or it could be a man too, in, in a, um, somebody who's very straight laced and who has maybe a professional job where they, um, they're supposed to look very professional all the time, they might do something, uh, some kind of sexy sort of costume or a crazy kind of costume to let that part of their body or let <laughs> their body, let that part of themselves out. Do you think that there's an abundance of this type of personality or these types of people who are confined, whether it's their, their own shyness or whether they just have a life that's very dull? Because it seems to me that when we look at Halloween pictures um, after the season is over, or even if you just browse through uh, a Halloween costume store, there is an abundance of uh, the naughty, sexy um, you know, the bigger, larger than life kinds of costumes. It seems to me that a lot of people might feel um, like there's that alter ego that needs out. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. People who are afraid to express themselves. Yes. One way or another. Um, then there's uh, another kind of costume that might be popular this year is people dressing up as a coronavirus. <laughs> you'd have to be somewhat creative to figure that out but something green i guess and you stick horns on or a crown on your head yes that. um and that would be what we would call a reaction formation things that you're scared of you actually delve into and become and you take your power back when you do that don't you yes exactly now, some of the costumes that I think might also be popular, um, you know, the Carol Baskin or Joe Exotic, of course. Right. Um, Dr. Fauci, whether you like him or hate him, that would depend. <laughs> then you could like, uh, you know, make it a ridiculous costume, a ridiculous Dr. Fauci or something. And what does it say when we do real life people who are in the zeitgeist like that? Well, usually it has to do with... Um, feelings that we are, or opinions that we want to express about these these people like of course trump or biden you know that would be another example for people right. who love them or hate them to talk about it if they're dressed in that costume 
then there's a costume of um, Pence with a fly. On <laughs> of course, you can't have Pence without the fly now. <laughs> and uh, a Karen, although, you know, that's a little hard to, uh, I mean, you'd have to kind of wear a sign. It's a little hard to know what people um, want to make that costume, per se. Sign would have to say, I want to talk to the manager yes, <laughs> or something like that. Right. Right. What about when people are uh, more more fantasy things in in terms of being like unicorns or certain animals, um, and, and kids like to to be things like puppies and rabbits, and that's that's a very popular one. What does that say about us? I mean, those are classic kinds of costumes, especially for kids. Um, just uh, you know, it's sort of especially this year there might be a whole bunch of those because they're kind of cuddly and and uh, reassuring and um um you know nostalgic yes uh, so so um you know and then of course it's going to it's going to be interesting to see what people do um in terms of giving opening their doors to um people coming around trick or treating like there's i don't know if you i saw this um this product where um, if you have a, a staircase, did you see that where it's like something that you put along the banister of your staircase? It's a chute. Oh, so I've seen the candy chutes. Yes. Yes, they're very inventive. Yes. So, I mean, I think people should try to, even if they just have to put a pail out with a bunch of candy, you know, um, I think people should try to encourage that. I mean, man, we're, <laughs> we're heading in, in the United States, we're heading into, uh, to election day so i think we need we to need have some sweets for you guys and that too <laughs> yeah and and i and i said this just earlier on in the show i say it all the time i think one of the blessings of the pandemic has been that it's unleashed a lot of creativity in us we've had to think outside the box in all kinds of different ways and these candy shoots i think were a great idea you just suggested the the, the bucket you you talked about classic costumes like uh, rabbits and puppies and, and things like that another classic are goblins witches vampires zombies now what what monsters what yeah. does it say about our personality or our mental health when we choose to be someone like that well, you know, it's kind of, that's, it's really people who have a little bit of a, of a, if not evil, um, or a dark, um, you know, would like to express that part of their personality instead of being a goody two-shoes all the time, you know, have fun. I'm not saying that these are really, uh, really <laughs> serial killers. No. <laughs> Let themselves, you know, show a little bit of it on Halloween, but, but just um, people who, who also, who like Professionally, they're supposed to be, uh, they're not supposed to have that kind of dark side, but they like to play with that. Um, I mean, I've been a sexy witch <laughs> a number of times. I can see that. I can imagine <laughs> that, Carol. <laughs> uh, you really can't see. One, one year we had a, a costume a contest at this party that I, this sports, uh, I don't know, sports club LA at the time. Um, and I had just gotten a kitten. Uh, and it was a black kitten, and um, I, at the time, I had, well, my underlying hair is dark brown, and I had a cape made that said, which... <laughs> <laughs> Why did it say? <laughs> which with a black, <laughs> fill in the blanks. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I won one of the prizes. 
I bet you you did. <laughs> well, I'm going to hold you to something. You didn't give me a, a, an answer about what what people who don't wear a costume have on their minds. I mean, I'm not. I I don't wear. I'm not wearing one because COVID's got me down or life's got me down. I just am not that big of a Halloween fan, and and that's why I don't wear one. But what does it say? Well, it says that maybe you're afraid to let people see this inner part. Oh, no! <laughs> Whatever that may be. That's not bad. That's not bad. I'm not comfortable revealing myself all the time unless it's under my control. That's interesting. Huh. Well, it takes a psychiatrist to just knock you off yours. <laughs> your pedestal there um what's what about um costumes the last question and then let you go um are can we react to costumes they're so strong visually um is is that something that can happen to people you know you mentioned seeing the coronavirus or uh, people dressing up as a coronavirus, and I think people will dress up as that. But if people have suffered a loss or are, have suffered from it, I'm mm -hmm. not sure what that coming down the street would do to somebody. Yes, that's a very good point. Um, I mean, on the <clears throat> other extreme, we know like people who are dressed in costumes, not necessarily just on Halloween, but like for some event or some uh, that are fuzzy, you know, like a mouse or um, any kind of animal. Right, a bat would just send me through the, the roof if I saw well, a bat coming down the street. Well, no, I but like- bats. A, yes, but like a, a soft costume, like a puppy or a, or a mouse or a, you know, a, an adorable kind of costume. Everybody oh, wants to you. go up and, and pet it, you know? And there's a kind of natural reaction to wanting to, to pet the little mouse, for example. Right, right. What are you gonna be for Halloween? I don't know that I'm going to be, <laughs> I haven't really decided. Because you don't want to show anyone your yeah. different sides, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, to tell you the truth, it's because I've been so involved in, um, in the election, in trying yes. to, uh, um, you know, get people to vote the right way in the election, that I haven't really been giving much thought to Halloween yet. It's creeping up on us fast. Um, Dr. Carroll, you're a delight. I'd like to invite you back anytime on the show and have another chit chat soon. Okay, great. Thank you for your time and for this really interesting analysis of what Halloween means to different people. You've got the Sean Prue Show here on SiriusXM Canada Talks Channel 167. I never feel guilty about guilty pleasures, which is why I'm sharing a new one in the form of a podcast with you when we return. Glad you're with us. Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks. Here's Sean Prue. Welcome back. You've got the Sean Prue Show here on Sirius XM Canada Talks, channel 167. And as regular listeners will know, I do not keep my love of guilty pleasures like, say, the Real Housewives of Anywhere uh, hidden. I feel no guilt about them. I think especially right now in this horrible 2020 that we're having, 
that the escape they provide should be guilt-free to all. So I'm happy to share some intel about a fun new podcast series I've discovered. It launched recently. It's called Even the Rich, where co-hosts and fellow comics Brooke Sifrin and Arisha Skidmore-Williams pull back the curtain and chat about someone else's vita loca for a change. <laughs> We've got a clip. Have a listen to this. The Royals. The Murdochs. The Kardashians. They're mysterious, they're influential, and they're filthy rich. Selling here at Christie's $400 million sold. They get to be princesses. Meghan, will you take Harry to be your husband? I will. They get to break the law. Rupert Murdoch is caught in a scandal that continues to grow by the minute engulfing his giant company. And deep down, we love them because behind closed doors, they're just like us. If you had a business that you were passionate about, then you would know what it takes to run a business, but you don't. Okay, maybe they're not exactly like us. From Wondery, the makers of The Shrink Next Door and American Scandal comes Even the Rich, a new podcast that brings you totally true and totally shocking stories about the greatest family dynasties the world has ever seen. It's a show about power, how you get it, how you keep it, and what happens when it goes to your head. And the empire's worth $1 billion? Just in perfume alone. Even the Rich, as you just heard, tells stories about some of the greatest family dynasties in history, from the Murdochs to the Royals to the Carters, Jay-Z and Beyonce, that is, because as Queen Elizabeth once said, a good gossip is a wonderful tonic. Her accent was better than mine. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Brooke and Arisha. How are you guys? Hi. So good. I love this dishy, dreamy, fun <laughs> podcast you guys are doing. It's perfect for when you're like tidying up around the home, when you're okay. just, you can't nap, but you want to relax. You're mm. walking the dog. It's good. Thank it's you so much. Dishy. Yeah. We're really glad you like it. <laughs> well, I, I like it because you guys do a beautiful job of painting the picture. Like uh, the one I'm listening to right now is about Donna Tella Versace and her mm. takeover of the mm -hmm. Versace empire when Gianni Versace was shot and killed. Yeah. And you do beautiful things in there. Like you say, uh, when she got the news, her heart stopped. Yeah. And, and I know we don't know for sure if her heart stopped, but we we're pretty <laughs> sure her heart stopped. Like the writing is really good. Thank you. And you guys are sounding like you're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, whose idea was this, Brooke? So this was actually an original idea from Wondery, the CEO of Wondery. Um, it's based on a soap opera called The Rich Cry 2. I want to say, is that right, Arisha? The Rich Cry 2. <laughs> yes. And so they wanted, they had this idea for like two best friends to dish on famous families and dynasties. And so Arisha and I auditioned for it. We just saw a casting call in a Facebook group. Actually, Arisha saw it and sent it to me. And we went through three rounds of auditions. And, here and you we got are. it. Yeah. I think you guys got it. You guys have been roommates before, right, Arisha? Yes. yes we, so we actually met parking cars in LA. We were, val we were valets. Um, <laughs> and believe it or not, Brooke was my boss. And we still managed to be friends. I believe that, it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, got me and pegged. then yeah and then we uh we moved in together and uh well I moved in with her and her fiance at the time and um when I tell you I moved in with her it was more it was I mentioned that I was looking for a place and it became well you're moving in with me yeah there was very little choice <laughs> and I'm okay with it it ended up being one of the best still the boss 
still the oh, boss. Wait, I mean, yeah. Can you blame her though? I mean, she's I mean, she's a boss bitch. It's not yeah. a bad thing. I love it. Listen, when you find somebody in LA who's not a psychopath and you actually enjoy <laughs> being around, you're like, you will live with me and we will yeah. have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> um, I think this must have been what the casting people at Wondery um, found when you guys did this audition because there's a real lovely chemistry in there and a lot of the way you present these topics, if it were lesser in chemistry, could sound fake mm-hmm. and it doesn't. Yeah. And I think it's charming to listen to. Um, and if you're listening to this right now, and I know you are, and you're like, where do I find this? I got mine on Spotify, but I, I'm sure it's on um, Apple Podcasts and uh, all the podcast platforms um, yes. uh, under the title, Even the Rich. So um, I've been mentioning that I've been listening to the Versace um, series, but tell us about some of the other series, uh, the Murdochs, for example, mm-hmm. um, obviously one of the richest families in the world. Um, what is it about rich families and their pain that we <laughs> enjoy, Brooke? Well, I mean, you know, we're so used to hearing about these fabulous lives and like their yachts and their mansions. And I think this show kind of shows you that they're not immune to drama. They're not immune to heartache and heartbreak. And it's like, it's humanizing a little bit, especially right now, like the world's insane. And mm. it's just nice to know that they are people too. Some to some of them. Um, Murdoch's maybe not included. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no. Um, no, I'm kidding. But you're I'm not kidding. kidding. No, you're not. No, <laughs> no you're not. You meant that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, the Murdoch's are fascinating. And it's tough because we we try not to get political, but like you just mentioned the Murdoch's and people go absolutely berserk on iTunes. And it's like, okay, all right, calm down. We didn't even say anything. But it's crazy. And, you know, we, we started with Princess Diana and Meghan Markle and their similarities. And I think that's kind of what got people listening just because it was such a hot topic at the time. And we still kind of, is. yeah, it is. And I mean, still, still people are finding it and like, oh yeah, I'm listening to this. And I was like, that seems like years ago. I mean, right. this whole year seems like several years, years ago. Now. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, they're, they're just fascinating. And their drama is, on such a large scale that it just makes it more interesting, I think. This is what I'm finding. You say the drama's on a large scale. Arisha, would you agree with this? To the degree that your life is more fabulous and glamorous and wonderful and rich-er than the general population (laughs) is to the degree that your drama, when it happens, is heightened. Like none of us, I mean, I, I shouldn't say this, but has anybody had their brother shot killed? No, no. Go, go good. <laughs> good. I, I a took brother. a risk there. No. Yeah. But, uh, but, 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 you know, and, 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 and brother being the head of one of the biggest fashion dynasties in the world, mm-hmm. we don't have that. So is it true that to the degree you have all this stuff, you got drama to match? Oh, for sure. I mean, I look at my life and I just know it could be so much more dramatic if I had an extra couple million dollars in my bank account. But because I don't, it's not very dramatic. I mean, it just, I feel like money just kind of, it brings out the worst in people a lot yes. of the times and just having this opulent wealth and essentially you're never told no is what it comes down to when you have that kind of money. And when you're never told no, you push the limit and then drama ensues almost inevitably. Mm-hmm. And, and what is it do you think Brooke about um, having money and success and, and fame as well? Like I think it was our good friend Oprah who said um, that what it does is it brings out you to a larger degree. So if you're an a-hole, a- 
I almost said it. I almost said it in French. Uh, if you're an a-hole, you're going to be a bigger a-hole. But if you were a grounded, decent person, you're going to be more of a grounded, decent person. Uh, it would stand to reason that in these cases, a lot of a-holes exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets um, worse when you yeah. get money, fame, and fortune. It's true. And I actually had this conversation with someone about Ellen DeGeneres and they were like, you know, now that she's got money. And I was like, listen, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. Like Mm -hmm. she didn't just become what people are saying she became because she has money. Yes. And I think that's very true. I mean, you are who you are. And I think money just amplifies it. Yeah. I mean, and when you've got the press in your face, you've got paparazzi in your, you know, all of us have done things that someone would say, hey, they're being an asshole. But when you, you know, you've got a camera in your face. (laughs) Sean's like, never have I been an asshole. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Um, But it's just, you know, everyone knows about it. And it's just, it it is, it's amplified. You, you see it more and it's easier Mm -hmm. to be looked at as an asshole. I think when everybody knows every bit of your business all the time. Of, of the stories that you uh, take us through in your podcast, Even the Rich, what family or character shocked you? I'll ask each of you to answer this. Shocked mm. you or stunned you or impressed you the most for being different than what you expected? I'll start with you, Arisha. Oh, boy. Oh, um. Or just you just no. came away in love with them, maybe. Like, what's the, yeah. where's the, what's the one character that made the impact on you in, in researching and, and understanding these people more? So I think for me, it was actually um, Princess Diana. And she was, she and um, Meghan Markle were our first arc. And it was just, I guess it was just the humanization of them in going through this story Um, and hearing kind of just the terrible things she had to put up with being in this royal family. And I, again, this is the first one. So I'm coming from the background of only knowing what I read in tabloids or reading magazines. And that's always going to be skewed to fit a narrative that they're trying to push. And so it was just, it was the first time that I kind of stepped back and I was like, wait, all of these celebrities that I'm sometimes idolizing, which isn't the greatest thing to do, they're people at the end of the day and they're human and they have the same feelings that I have just on a much greater scale and in a very public platform. Um, so that just was like the the storyline that really kind of resonated with me. And since then, I try to push through that um, through that filter when we're doing these stories is remembering at the end of the day, these are all people who have the same emotions and feelings that I do. Doesn't make them less important or less good or... So this created a new level of empathy in mm, you. For sure. For How sure. interesting. How yeah, interesting. Yeah. Brooke, what do you say? Mine is probably Donatella Versace. And the Versace arc is actually my favorite arc so it's far. Great. I absolutely love it. I love the 90s throwbacks. I love all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think I didn't know the journey she went through to get Versace where it is today. Like, I just know her now as this like badass businesswoman. I didn't know the struggles she went through. And this is, I want to say the first arc that I listened back to and actually got teary eyed with her story. (laughs) Because when you're, you know, like you're telling the story and you're just like, you know, we got to get through this, got to tell the story. And then when you listen back, you're like, 
oh, wow, that was actually like a really good story. And I got emotional with her and her journey. So definitely Donatella Versace. And as somebody who, one of the reasons I was interested in all of this was because you were covering the Versaces and I've read so much about their, their family and, and uh, the Versace murder and Andrew Kananen. And I'm a bit obsessed with the, the, the story of the Versaces. And I've had enormous respect. Donatella Versace is someone who gets kind of mocked and laughed at and lampooned a little bit. Easy to do. You know, she's got the long blonde hair. She's had a drug problem. Easy to do all that stuff. But it's a bit like how I feel, and maybe this will be the last question, how I feel about someone like Kim Kardashian. I have a lot of respect Mm -hmm. for her because, and for Donatella, they work harder than the average person does. Um, they've created something from nothing mm-hmm. in both cases. Donatella's nothing was still a fashion empire, but she had to reinvent <laughs> it. She had yeah. to rebuild it with under her own vision. Um, so starting from nothing. And, and Kim Kardashian took a sex tape mm-hmm. and turned it into a whole family empire mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with, of course, people like Chris, you know, wisely and astutely managing them. When you, <laughs> when you were doing the Kardashians, did you have respect for them going in and did you have respect for them going out? So we haven't actually done the Kardashians. Why yet. do I hear Kardashians on the clips? Do you? It's yeah. in the, it's in the promo, oh, the in the intro, promo. like the car. We, you haven't we done them yet. That. We're no, going to be. We oh, you're going to. Yet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Folks, this is Sean Prue having made a mistake, <laughs> but we're leaving it in to show you that I too am human. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. Do you have respect for them? I, I mean, I absolutely do. I, I know that they're very polarizing in terms of, you know, anybody you talk to, they either seem to love or hate them. Um, but I respect the business that they've built. They've, I do too. they've worked very hard. Uh, they, they know what makes people tick. They know how to make that dollar. And I, I can respect that. And also just, again, the empathy of seeing somebody who's in the spotlight and, I mean, when Kim was robbed, like that's just, that's that was such horrifying. an emotional, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you had so many people online that were just being horrible and it's like, where's the empathy? Like anybody this is allowed to be terrified. Bathtub thinking she was going to be raped yeah. and killed. That's not, yeah. doesn't yeah. matter who yeah. she is. That's horrifying. Yeah. And we just seem to have lost that because they're in the public eye. And I think that's a shame. And whatever your thoughts are on her at the end of the day, she's a human. She's yeah. worked really hard to get to where she is and that should be respected. Since my last question bombed, I'll, I'll end <laughs> with this question. What did you learn about yourselves in doing this podcast, Even the Rich? That we're very poor. <laughs> that was the big takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> that's good, good answer. answer. Yeah. So <laughs> okay, so that's the, the same answer for both? Um, I mean, yeah, we are, we're very poor. <laughs> I mean, the number of parties we haven't had on yachts is embarrassing. <laughs> Would you guys come back next time you've got some new um, podcast yes, action to absolutely. come out? I'd love yeah, to have you back. You're a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Thank we're you doing so Free much. Britney next. So. Oh, you are. Yeah. Well, I'd be interested in that. Would you keep me in the loop? Yes, yes. definitely. For All sure. right. That's it for another Sean Pru show. Thank you to my guest today. Thank you, especially to you for listening. If you missed any part of today's episode or our previous ones, catch them all on demand on the SiriusXM app. And if you don't have that, you silly goose, we also podcast each episode on SeanPru.com, where you can also sign up for my Thought Revolution newsletter and get a free gift for the doing. Until next time, peace and love. Oh, my rebel.